And and actually, we talk about this in high performance coaching when we talk about influence. That's exactly what I, how I frame it with clients is you can only go so far without enrolling others in what it is that you want to do. That's when you're going to be able to, um, to really catapult and escalate your purpose. So there was probably two aspects to the question, because I think what you said was, how do you create the space to, to invite people in? Mm-hmm. How do I create the space is about the practices that I have and the commitment that I have to myself to be in that place of inspiration and insight and, and, and allow, um, allow inspired ideas to drop in. Welcome to the With Sayada podcast, brought to you by the Centre for Belonging and Understanding. The podcast that brings to you stories of lived experience that you might not otherwise encounter. This is a podcast that encourages you to cultivate belonging and understand others. I'm your host, author and coach Sayada Zaidi, and every episode I'll be asking a new guest to share their story. Mel McIntyre is a certified high-performance coach. She says, What is it like to be on the receiving end of you? was one of the most important questions she's ever been asked. Age 21, Mel was being coached to understand her personal impact on people. It set her on the path of self-discovery and where she began her quest to be the truest and most authentic version of herself. Mel says it was mind-blowing to experience how a simple, powerful question could lead to life-changing self-discovery. She had a fire in her belly that kept her going when things felt really challenging. Then one day, in a maelstrom of life-defining events and traumas, the fire went out and Mel burnt out. Mel then retrained as a coach and has been featured on the BBC and in The Guardian. She helps other people to become the best version of themselves. So today I am so honestly so happy to be here with a very good friend of mine, Mel McIntyre. She is a coach, an all-round awesome person and um, a mom and various other different things as well. And I, and I tell you what's really fascinating for me about our connection is that um we, well, Mel is Scottish, and I have a huge amount of connections to Scotland, but we met in the US, and we met at a training for certified high-performance coaching back in 2015. And as we were kind of having our conversation, I think that the kind of connection was just really strange in that it wasn't just about being um, or having some sort of um Uh, reflections and understanding on the country of Scotland it was just the precision with which it was there because it was like kill winning and um air and logs and all of these other things and I was like I know these places I've been to them it's extraordinary and there is also something really special about the work that Mel does which I think made me 
really, really resonate with her. And I'm looking at her website now, and I'm just going to read out something that's on the banner. And it says, your soul holds all the answers you will ever need. I help you to listen. And to me, don't we all want to go on a journey where we just listen a little bit more to what our soul is telling us? So welcome, Mel. It's such an honor to have you here. Oh, thank you so much, Saida. Um, and like I said earlier, it is honestly such a pleasure to be here and a real honor to be invited to be on your show. So thank you for having me. You're welcome to me. It's just really, really obvious. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I would like to begin by asking, what led you to do the work that you're currently doing? Mm, great question. Well, my background has always been in coaching and people development. So I had a 16-year career in the corporate world, also in government and local government. And the, the common thread through all of the roles that I had was... There's just this real curiosity about unleashing people's potential. And as I developed, it was also then creating, you know, really connecting the link between organisational performance and individual performance. And how can you create strategies and programmes? Um, how can you implement coaching strategies to enable that to happen in a really meaningful way? So organisational change and transformation and people development. That was my corporate career. And I loved it. And um, I did really well and I climbed the ranks uh, into senior leadership. And as I was ticking the boxes for all the things that I thought were the things that I really, really wanted, I realized that this, this yearning, like this gnawing sensation in my, in my, which lives in my solar plexus, <laughs> that I really wanted to make a meaningful difference through my work that was not being satiated at all. I found I was bumping up against organizational cultural barriers um, and I was just really struggling within toxic cultural environments. And so um, all of that led me to a point where I burnt out. Mm. There was a lot going on in my life and there was me honestly giving myself such a hard time because I wasn't all of the things that I thought I needed to be as good as I wanted to be. So I was, you know, I was a partner, I was a stepmom, I was a daughter, I was a leader, I was a colleague, I was an employee. And I felt like I wasn't doing any of those things to the best of my ability. So I was, um, everything kind of came to a crunch point seven years ago. And my dad was ill. He had, he, I think by this point, had his second cancer diagnosis. And he'd moved in with me while he was ill and I was cared for him through chemo. I got a big promotion. I met my partner and all of this happened within the space of a few months. So I was just really trying. It always felt like I was trying. You know, I was trying my hardest. And I ran out of steam. And so one day I woke up and I was due to take my dad into hospital to get half a lung out. And then I was going straight into the office to make my team redundant. Gosh. Yeah. And, and I, I'd always suffered with my mental health, with depression and anxiety. And that was kind of a roller coaster of um, it being quite acute 
to you know to me seeing a psych a psychiatrist and having antidepressants to being on a level and at this point in my life it was really really acute again and um, and also physically I had physical health issues I had mm-hmm. I had a suspected stomach ulcer I had chronic IBS everything was kind of living in my digestive system and I wasn't taking good care of myself so that morning I woke up and I literally hit this wall where I thought I don't know how I'm going to get through today I, I don't know how I'm going to do it I have no idea there is no, every morning I'd been drawing on something to get me through the day and it was positive self-talk and you know my positive attitude Charlie would put on happy by Pharrell Williams to get me out of bed and we would like dance around for a few minutes you know just to honestly make me feel human (laughs) Um, and that morning there was just a part of me that knew today's the day that something has to, to give and so that was the day that changed, that was really the turning point for the rest of my life. Um, and it started with me not going to work, taking my dad to hospital and phoning work to say I'm not coming in. Um, I'm just having this time. And then life quickly began to unravel. Mm-hmm. So I left my corporate career um, knowing two things. <laughs> One, I needed to, to help people in a way that felt really impactful and meaningful to me. And two, I had no idea how I would do that or what that would look like, but I would work it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was literally all I knew. And so I just kind of devoted, I said, I'm going to take some time out and I'm going to heal myself, mind, body and soul. So we, we did the cliched thing. We went traveling. <laughs> we went to, around Asia and um, we had some incredible adventures. We went trekking in the Himalayas and went to a yoga retreat in Nepal, went scuba diving in Thailand. You know, it was really, it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, and did a lot of reading and a lot of reflecting and a lot of self-inquiry you know I remember journaling I've still got the journal I remember journaling um, kind of wanting to get to know what my ego wanted recognizing that 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 learned part of me does have needs and it's okay and that's normal and actually let's just get it all out on the table and and find out what that is Um, and all the while cultivating this inner dialogue with this wise, quiet voice that I was allowing to just become a little louder. And when I got back from travel, and dad was well at this point, so he bounced back from his operation really well. So I got back from traveling and decided I was going to set up a coaching business and was looking for the right um you know, the right certification, the right investment. I was looking at, do I go back to business school, to Ashridge and do my master's? What do I do? And Charlie just tapped me on the shoulder and said, this guy that I follow is looking for coaches (laughs) to certify. And I think you should have a look at it. (laughs) Um, Who was Brenda Burchard, who's how we met. And so, yeah. And so then I said, that's it. I'm going to go to California I'm going to do this thing. I chose it because it was the thing that scared me most. It was the thing that stretched my comfort zone the most. Um, I had all these visions of going to California and everyone doing kind of like high fives and jazz hands at nine in the morning, which was so not what we do in the UK. You know, I'd been studying at Ashridge and all this kind of stuff. So I was like, so that's what I need to do because it's going to stretch me the most. It's going to give me something different. And it's exactly what happened, as you know. (laughs) Times 100,000. 
yeah exactly it was awesome and um, and so that was also my first kind of foray into solo travel I had a little bit of extra time I spent some time in San Francisco and I just remember really feeling my wings stretch as I was doing this mm. um yeah and then that was it I came back with this big goal I mean the experience that we had there was and it always is just incredible life-changing it's it's you know he's it's the best it's the best experience you can have as a coach I believe in the world and set my business up and yeah and um and then it was all about building the business wow gosh I mean like I, I feel as if we should say we're kind of done you've just given us so many <laughs> different gems to reflect the thing on. Is that, so that's like a tiny little fraction of the story <laughs> as you know right because nothing ever goes nothing's ever plain sailing is it nothing's absolutely, ever played absolutely yeah what I would love to do though is just to acknowledge you for the journey that you've been on because it sounds as if there have been lots of highs and lots of lows and to kind of um have to, you know what how I would say is you listen to the whispers of your soul you know on mm. that day that you described I have a choice to make and I don't know what to do you kind of you, in many ways what it says on your website you know your soul knows the answers and you just leaned in and listened. And I know from my own perspective and my own life, there've been many times when those whispers have been there and I've ignored them. Mm-hmm. And Me too. Louder and That's louder right. and louder, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, what a gift to be able to support your dad um, and be there for him and create memories in, in many respects. Um, and also I didn't realise you'd also done something at Ashridge. So that's another kind of point of connection <laughs> for us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know what I'd love to know is, it, so just in this kind of like sliver of the story that you shared with us, what was the biggest learning that you had? It was the magical synchronicities that unfolded when I took that leap are the stuff of like, you know, things that people find it hard to believe. And so did I. It was the, and, and it is that, that thing that I suppose it was, here's what it was. You're not doing this alone. Mm. You're not doing this alone. And so stop feeling like it has to be you on your own. And to be honest, I'm still learning that lesson every day. In fact, I had a coaching session with my coach last night. And um, and what, what she was talking about and what we were talking about was, Mel, if all you do is allow and receive and focus on that over the next few weeks, rather than Mel decides. Mm. And that's profound for me. Saida mm-hmm. and it's and it really is at the core of what I teach as well is this balance between your logic and your intuition your heart and your mind you know and and we live in a world and my I believe where we've so pri- like over prioritized reason and logic mm-hmm. and we've lost this connection to um our intuition our heart our soul and actually a bit of the magic that resides there and the magic that is available to you so yeah so I think it is that you're not doing this on your own and actually um because it's easy for our, our, our ego for our mind 
to think it's all on you, mm. it's all on me, and it's not, mm. not by any stretch of the imagination. And actually, that's where that's where ease lives and living your life and growing your business is finding that sweet spot and that balance between those two aspects of yourself. Mm. I love that. And and, and I'd love to um, share a quick story with you, if I can, about something yeah. that happened to me today, which kind of um, adds to what you've just said in that. So I'm, I'm in the middle of writing my doctorate thesis and it's killing me, but it's something that I've got to do. And at the same time, I absolutely love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what it's doing is it's like it's like I'm going or it's like I'm buying a holiday every single week with the amount of money I'm spending on books. And there was one book that I wanted to get where I only needed one page for a reference and I got really frustrated and I thought, you know what, I'm not buying this book. And so I couldn't find that page anywhere online, despite all my searching. So I just thought, I'm just going to email the author and ask them to send me a photo of that one page, because it's all I need. This morning, I get an email saying, um, I would be happy to present you with a copy of the book if you let me have your address. So in my response, I'm thinking, well, what do I do? Right. Because actually all I really needed was just a copy of that page. And of course, it would be great to have the book. But what do I do in that? So I responded by this and, I, and, and I'm sharing this with you because I think it, it really leans into that thing about just allowing yourself to receive. So I, I replied by saying, um, gosh, I only really needed a copy of that page and did not anticipate such a gift without really having the capacity or the headspace to refuse at the moment. I gladly accept this as a gift from God for which he has used you as the vehicle. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think the thing in there that's is it, about like it. not that's, having that's the exactly headspace. That's what I was talking about. Yeah. 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 So it's really quite hard, isn't it? Because you sit there as a coach and you're doing all of this work and you're thinking you're being very, very productive. And yet one does just kind of get caught up in this cycle and thinking I can only do it myself. So how do you, Mel, create the space, the headspace to be able to allow others to come in to support you? And because in another podcast that I've done, I've issued, interviewed somebody called Jesse Harless and, and he shares um, uh, one of his well I, I really love this so I'm an advocate for what he says and he says you cannot do your purpose alone mm -hmm. and so when yeah. I heard him say that I was just I mean literally I was floored and what you're describing is the idea that you can't do your purpose alone yeah absolutely um, and actually we talk about this in high performance coaching when we talk about influence that's exactly what I how I frame it with clients is you can only go so far without enrolling others in what it is that you want to do. That's when you're going to be able to, um, to really catapult and escalate your purpose. So there was probably two aspects to the question, because I think what you said was, how do you create the space to, to invite people in? Mm -hmm. How do I create the space is about the practices that I have and the commitment that I have to myself to be in that place of inspiration and insight and 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 allow um allow inspired ideas to drop in 
and that's about a morning practice of meditation of journaling of just kind of the way I describe it is I like to let my soul come out my fingers before I engage with anyone or anything else in the world I like to just sit and let my soul come out my fingers <laughs> and Good. whatever and sometimes that that's just for me and sometimes it's for my own understanding sometimes it becomes marketing sometimes it becomes a program um, and I allow myself to to a degree be led by that I'm not gonna lie it, it still feels like a some days it, I'm grappling with that and sometimes it still feels like a battle and my need my you know my learned behaviors a need for drive control um you know that that creeps up on me in ways that I don't always <laughs> see until after the event but the other the other aspect of it um is really about so there's the inspired action um, and also connecting with what do I want and need to take this to the next level like what do I want and need to help me serve at my highest level for me everything comes back down to serving at my highest level and it's that recognition that I think as a leader particularly as a business leader that you get to which is you have to focus in on the areas of your business where it really is about your genius zone and you're the only one that can do that mm. and the areas that don't have to be you let it not be you because if there's one thing I'm deeply passionate about it's not getting back into overwhelm never burning out again being very present with my son I work about 20-25 hours a week on average have a really successful business and also the other thing is um so providing that structure and strategy for your team. So I use project, you'll like the fact I use project management software because we're both yeah. project managers. <laughs> so I have a Santa board set up. I've got projects, things, tasks are assigned, deadlines are on there. There's regular, you know, connections and meetings. And in this first half of the year, I'm in a very interesting place right now because in the first half of the year, I was doing a lot of building, building a lot of foundations, um, launched a couple of programs, and built like rebranded the website and rebuilt the website and had quite a big team supporting me and it's got to a point where th there was some things that were feeling good 95% right but not 100 so right now at this moment I'm in this space where my team have literally been stripped back to nothing well kind of one person mm. and I'm just in this holding space because I'm creating right now the next thing and I'm allowing myself to really have some space to say what do I need moving forward that's different from what I needed in the first half of the year? And what does that look like? Who might that be? And so just I'm kind of staying open to what that looks like. So so what I didn't do, and this is important because we have a tendency to do this, I didn't beat myself up and think I got it wrong because mm. I wanted to change it. And that's so important, isn't it? Absolutely. And and I love how you're describing this because um, I, I would reflect back and say you're creating a space, you're kind of pausing um, yeah. to receive. And that was yeah. your word earlier on, right? And it's <laughs> literally just waiting because I think sometimes in, in it, it, you know, earlier on you described burnout. In, in some ways I've experienced that and I've been in denial. I was in, it was easy for me to ignore because the times that we live in today when we speak more about mental health and um, anxiety and things is very different to what it was 
12, 15 years ago when I was kind of going through burnout. I mean, if you said that, it would have been the end of your career then. Now, at least you get some form of a response, right? But it would also be easy to kind of say, okay, I'm kind of in this space and you do the exact opposite of burnout, which is just kind of like not doing anything at all. And, And I think what you're describing is somewhere... It's, it's the right balance when you're in the middle, you've got stuff to do, but you're just kind of waiting and saying, well, what is actually going to happen next? Mm-hmm. I call it the fertile void. Mm, I love that. <laughs> yeah, because one of the things that really resonates with me that I've, um, I've just leaned into more and more um, is seasons. Mm. You know, Seas- and, and where I live, I live on this little island in the Outer Hebrides. It's very seasonal. Scotland and the UK is a very seasonal country, and I love the seasons. But it's also recognizing what season are you in in your business? What season are you in as a human, as a woman, as, as women in particular? You know, are, are, are we are cyclical beings. That's the way that we are, you know, biologically designed. Mm. So, I am. Um, I really like to tr- almost like treat myself as seasonal, and see the seasons in my business and necessary pauses. Like I've I've actually been feeling really in full bloom as well to a certain extent, like really summery. And now I've had my holiday and I'm coming back, and it's like I'm in a bit of a pause right now. Mm-hmm. And I was saying to you earlier that. I, I still want to see someone around me and right, since I've came home a few days ago that's not been happening and so I'm kind of like I've been grappling with that a little bit you know what I see on the outside isn't what I'm feeling on the inside so I think that um you know just allowing yourself to to not have to be the same all the time not have to be on all the time not have to have the same drive all the time um as as has been important to me to remove a bit of the guilt and a bit of the blame and the shame which ultimately is the thing that often really contributes to burnout, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. The way we're feeling about how we feel. <laughs> the way we feel about how we feel, the way we talk to ourselves about how we're feeling, rather than just accepting it and um, and rolling with it a wee bit more. Mm-hmm. I have to share with you, th- this conversation is making me change um, one thing I'm going to do about project management. So I, I work in quarters you know, and so in, in the book, Results, the Art and Science of Getting It Done, I set out why it's important to have 90-day cycles and, and how you structure your time within the quarter and the months and the weeks and the days and all of those other things. But the languaging that you use to describe the seasons has made me think there's something, I mean, quarters is fine. It's very functional. It does the job. But why not describe it as a season? Because there's just something so much nicer and more gentle and nourishing and inviting. And so now I'm not going to say I work in quarters anymore. I'm going to say I work in seasons. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Well, it's interesting because this is part of our corporate condition or or like our our, um, our job conditioning isn't it mm-hmm. that I'm the same I work in 90 day cycles and um but I've never described them as seasons as such but I like to have like one thing every 90 days that if that's the only thing that we do as a team and this is part of the the thing around allowing people to support me it's like if this is the only thing we do we've succeeded 
Mm. And every quarter, everybody knows what that is uh, and what their role is within that as well. And I think that's a very healthy, healthy way to be. And it, it gives us that energy of completion, which is so important as well, isn't it, to headspace? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, without going off on too much of a tangent, I think that if you don't have that one thing and the specificity and um, you also don't have three months, then you just kind of get lost. And and I know for me, I spent enough of my life getting lost and not knowing where I'm going. And in your reels and yeah. Yeah, or, or just doing too much and kind of literally being on that edge of burnout where I can see it and then the the response then is to completely disengage and it's like well none of this is healthy so I think that 90 90 day kind of uh, rhythm is just is really really good yeah let me ask you when you um, have identified a project or one thing that you want to work on how do you determine that that is that thing you're going to pick for the next kind of season or quarter and when it fires you up how do you then get it done Mm. so you might need to remind me the second bit of the question but um this is the reason I'm I'm kind of giggling to myself is because (laughs) when I have space to create um sometimes I get an awful lot of ideas and an awful lot of um you know kind of downloads about all the things that I could be doing and even just recently so this was back in June I took I I went offline I kind of you know I I just took some time out it wasn't even that long you know it was maybe three or four days I had just launched a program and I was um allowing myself just some space to decompress a little bit so I wanted to be offline completely and, and kind of not anywhere near technology for three four days a week Mm. but what that meant was that then all of this inspiration had space and room (laughs) to make itself known and I got myself in a bit of a pickle because I decided that by the end of the month which was like two weeks later I was going to plan plan an event start um, start my podcast which not fully as a podcast yet but as a as a show online on Facebook live and um, there was something else as well in there within the space of like a couple of weeks plus I had a, a program that I was delivering that I had just sold to people you know so I quickly <laughs> it was one of those moments where it's almost like the things that you, you know this happens doesn't it the things that you need to work on in order to really allow yourself to get to the next level just all make themselves known to you and in the moment mm. it feels pretty rubbish but when you can step outside it you go ah okay that's what's been going on that's why I was feeling the way I was so I was feeling um I actually really go very very much into my head and my mind when I have got when I've committed over committed or committed to too much so I will feel my pace increase. I will feel the amount of thoughts that I have really start to quicken. Even the way that I talk, the way that I, I'm much more directive. You know, I almost like come, go back into more of a corporate mode. Mm. So that was very much happening. And I had a, a large team to support me with it. But I gave myself permission to just press pause and, and reflect on it all because I wasn't feeling spacious. I was feeling quite um, 
quite kind of contained and crammed in by it all. And that I know my soul loves spaciousness. Mm. And if she doesn't have room, then it's not going to be a good, it's not going to be the best quality it could be. And so what that resulted in was me deciding to pick each of those things for one each 90 day period over the next nine months. Mm. So my event's now not planned till next spring and it feels really spacious and I can really, you know, as soon as I come back from Christmas, that's the number one priority. Um, The podcast will be after October break. That will be the number one priority. And I can change any of this whenever I want. So, so, um, so it's definitely about how it feels to me Um, how it feels. I will do a, plan to see what it would take but in a way that bit's quite easy for me you know Mm. it's quite easy to see that nuts and bolts stuff but then it's about how does it feel Mm. does it feel in alignment with who I am at my best and I know some of those words I know what some of those words are for me and it is about presence it's about feeling connected. It's about feeling um, expansive. Like I've got room to expand and grow into the project and grow it, grow, grow through that 90 day period. Um, and then the second part of the question, what remind me of what the second part of the question was? How do you then get it done? How do I then get it done? A plan. <laughs> it's a plan, right? It's a plan. I like that. Yeah, a plan. Honestly, it's that that some that simple. Um, and it is through an Asana board where we've got an overarching objective. It's clear what the kind of key um big chunks of that are, and then they're broken down into subtasks. We put deadlines against that. I have a weekly meeting with the team to just look at, you know, what needs to get done, deliverables, anything that needs to shift and change. Um, and yeah. That's that's the way that, that it gets done. It's quite straightforward, really, the way it gets done. What I also always allow room for um, is my, my week has a, and my, each day has a particular rhythm and flow. And that's really important. Mm. So generally Mondays, I wouldn't book in. Monday's a day that I like for strategy and, um, and maybe some marketing stuff. So I wouldn't generally talk with a client on a Monday. Wednesday, Thursday afternoon are my client days. Um, I generally don't really book in any meetings in the morning or certainly nothing recurring because that's my time to do all the things, work on my business and exercise and, you know, get out, have some time in nature, that kind of a thing. Um, So on Friday, I don't work on a Friday. Friday's Mm -hmm. my day with Maximilian, so I don't send him to nursery that day. So that's our time together. That's like our special time. So that's my rhythm and flow, you know, Um, and that really helps as well because I can see each week where the building blocks are, similar to exactly what you teach, really. Mm. I love that. And and you know what's really interesting about how you've broken that down is because a lot of people, um, so, so I would say, as a project manager and someone who has planned for everything, I think planning is easy, but a lot of people don't. And the way that you explain that, it really demonstrates the ease within which you can do it. Because 
I'm a firm believer that everyone is a project manager. It's just some people don't know it. And so, for example, if you've planned a wedding or if you've bought a house or if you've moved or if you've done it, really, you've been using project management skills. You just haven't thought about it like that. So if someone listening has got a project that they want to do or or an aspiration and and a hope and a dream, then this idea of taking it and putting it on paper and looking at it, I think, is the beginning of what then turns into a plan. And some of the best things I've done actually have been on the back of napkins in hotel rooms or, or in, yeah. or like, you know, you don't need yeah, anything. Yeah, but. absolutely. And I think it is like, that's the thing is sometimes things can happen so quickly. And that's the difference between, it's when you have those moments of inspiration. Um, you know, you can write something incredibly powerful that might um, turn into something that's a really important part of your business or a lucrative part of your business in 20 minutes. If mm. you've got the space to capture that or, you know, just that inspired moment of, oh, I've not spoken to that person and they're on my mind. I must reach out to them. It's the space for that that you can that you can see where it fits in your plan easily. You know, like there's a bit of the jigsaw. I'll, I'll put it. Uh, I'll put it in a place where it's going to fit. Um, But having that, also pace, right? Pace with those things is so important. Not stewing on them Mm. is really important as well. Because I think often when we know what it is we need to do, and when I say no, it's it's not knowing in your head, it's knowing in your body. Mm. (laughs) When we know, and that's a lot of the work I do with my clients is helping them to really trust their knowing tap into that know how to to reach that mm-hmm. there is no need yes of course do your due diligence and your your logical checks but there is no need to hang about get get moving mm. yeah just do it just get moving it's so true because I mean even the story of this podcast you know like I've wanted to do something for some years and there's always been one obstacle or another and I think it was in I mean we're in the middle of August recording this And it was in July that I finally came up with a name in the morning through a conversation I was having with a friend. And um, by the afternoon, I'd done three hours worth of work, which included putting together a list of people I wanted to speak to, what the content of it would be and various other different things. And I was like, I said to my husband, I've done more work in three hours than I've done in five years on this thing, right? (laughs) But I think that's that's such a brilliant example of trust one trust in the process, and um, and two, if we go back to thinking about seasons and stuff, you planted the seed for that podcast mm. a long, long time ago, and it it's been germinating, it's been germinating, and the conditions in that moment were perfect for it to be born. Right, that was that was the moment. And so, yeah, that's the thing. When you're trusting that flow and that rhythm and you're working with your insights and your, um, you can get so much done. Like like you say, you just planned out a podcast for 12 months and three hours. It's mad. Because it was the moment. It was the, that was the time that it was ripe that moment for you to do it. Mm. And, you know, you're, where you're taking me now is the idea that you had had about how you allow the, your soul to come out of your fingers, right? <laughs> yeah. 
And I think what happened in those three hours is literally the stuff was there. I was just yeah. enabling it to come out of my soul yeah. in those three hours by yeah. putting it on paper and typing it out and stuff. Yeah. So that that concept that you have, honestly, it's kind of like sh- sending shivers up my spine because it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where the psychology stuff's so important as well, isn't it? Mm. Because when you when you know that when you know how to manage the inner narrative that would sabotage you from taking that action, right? That's, we need to learn how to manage our mind, don't we? To allow that kind of um, moment of wisdom to flow. Mm. We need to know that, you know, there could have been a million reasons why your mind could have told you that wasn't quite the right moment, Mm. but you, you didn't have that experience. You know, you allowed yourself to just go with it. Um, and so that's a really important part of the puzzle as well, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. And I think the thing is, is again, going back to something you said, like when you when you have moments of inspiration, then all of a sudden it's like you just turn the tap on and there's all this stuff coming. How, I, I, I want to ask you, how do you then kind of like, I don't want to say turn the tap off because that's not the right thing, but how do you control it? Because I know mm-hmm. when I was writing my book, I kind of got to the stage that I had to have a a parallel word document open to basically dump all of the thoughts and the other book titles I was having and all of the other stuff going on. Because if I allowed myself to get distracted, then really what would have happened is a major derailment and I wouldn't have completed anything. Mm. Yeah, I think for, for me, it is about that regular practice of letting whatever comes out whatever wants to come out come out you know and sometimes don't get me wrong sometimes I'm intentional with it like right now I'm writing a chapter for a book um and it's a pretty tight deadline and there is part of me for sure um that's like like there's this little undercurrent of anxiety that's like oh what if you can't turn it on when you really need to but that's that's um that's just that old echo of like anxiety and trauma in my body that I know I need to manage and I do that Mm -hmm. in different ways so honestly for me I will be I will make a point of becoming more embodied and walking more more time in nature and doing more yoga that you know meditating that kind of a thing because that gets me out of my head and helps me find clarity Mm-hmm. about what is and what is it discernment that's what it helps me find actually mm-hmm. is to be able to discern more easily which is really I think what you're talking about isn't it is that and this is what entrepreneurs we've got a challenge with this you know shiny object syndrome or all the ideas I'm sure you you talk to your clients about this all the time as do mm-hmm. I it's like yeah but what is the thing and that's why that one thing every 90 days having to discern what is the thing what is the only thing because um it's the difference between going deep and narrow versus kind of uh, paddling in the shallows isn't it mm-hmm. that's the difference so um i trust myself sometimes i have to talk it out um and also for me it's definitely about that connection to my longer term vision and that's, you know, that strong sense of purpose and self and my longer term vision. So having a sense about what the building blocks are that are going to get me there, but leaving room for surprise and delight, mm-hmm. you know, and opportunities that you've not sought out and that you've not, that you don't expect. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, I, and you know, I don't always get it right. There's still a little bit of me saying, I've said yes to this book chapter. And this today I was thinking, should I really have said yes? What's, Do you know, you know what, what's, what's, what's going to give because of that, you know? Yeah, but here's the thing on stuff like that. I, I would say that sometimes there is a difference between saying yes to something and knowing it's not good for you. Yeah. And saying yes to something that makes you uncomfortable and kind of requires you to lean into a place mm-hmm. where you know from the other side of that you're going to have an enormous amount of growth. Yeah. Right? And that's the I'm, discernment, isn't it? Yeah. Between absolutely. those two yeses. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm sitting here with this thesis thing. And the other day I was I, I saw my niece for a few moments and, and she said, So, so what are you doing? And I said, Oh, I'm I'm writing and today's target for words, I've got to try and write, you know, or, or organize four thousand words. And she just looks at me really innocently and goes, that's a lot of words. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, is right. So, so I then said to her, actually, in total, I've got to write 60,000 words. And this poor six-year-old kid, I just thought, you know what, I've given her palpitations. And so <laughs> I come back to my desk and I'm thinking, what have I done? Like, who do I think I am thinking that I'm capable of this? And I had, I had what I will describe as a moment of crisis, mm. you know, and actually allowing or creating the space to just be in that for a few seconds. What it does is it reminds you of your purpose and the reason you're doing it. And if anything, it solidifies why you've got to complete. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're making me think of um, a story that I often tell and it's something that I use to support my clients all the time because my clients are often really grappling with a fear of visibility and a fear of being judged. That's one of the things that um, tends to be a common thread because they are realising I'm being called, I'm being called to really make a difference in the world through my business. And it was, and so it's that fear of visibility, like what will people think? You know, what about people from the old world? Um, And I said, when I felt like that, what has really helped me is remembering it's not about me. None of this is about me. Not a single bit of it. This is about who I'm here to serve. This is about um, me. If I can, like, it doesn't really matter what I feel like inside. If I show up, and serve at my best and serve at my highest level and one person benefits from that that's enough for me I've done Mm. my job you know Mm. and so that just that taking yourself out of the your fear and out of the land of the ego and just you know honoring the fact that yeah there's development in there and you know you need to work through your feelings but actually forget about yourself for a minute and remember why you're here. You're here to serve. You're here because you're called to make a difference. Let's focus on that because it's going to make everything feel so much easier. So, yeah, that's mm. I definitely, definitely agree with that. Mm. And such a good reminder that you've just given to us all, because I know people will be listening to this and and just thinking, well, you know, what about me? What I'm struggling. I'm doing all of this. And I think it doesn't matter what role you have, whether you're, a parent or a student or anything, excuse me, I think creating that space to think what it, I'm a cog in the system 
and what is my specific role is vital for you to then be able to continue doing that and not just disengage from it. So thank you for sharing that. Um, We've spoken about different aspects of high performance and you've kind of touched on it a wee bit, but I would love to know, um, how do you increase your energy? Because I think that's something that that many of us um, face challenges with. Mm. So uh, 100% prioritising sleep. Definitely. My little boy's now three, so things are easier on that plane to navigate. Um, But definitely sleep. Um, And for me, meditation is really important. And and that can look really different. You know, it can look, uh, it can come in different forms. It might be a five minute nervous system reset where I'm just doing breath work. Um, It could be, I, I love yoga. So yoga is really important to me because yoga will get me out of my head and back into my body. And when I'm on the yoga mat, I actually use yoga in my programs as well because of this. But when I'm on the yoga mat, I'll notice if I'm trying to resist a move or if I want to move through quicker. If I'm like, I'll notice that um, I've written about this before, but like as a reform and control enthusiast, it's really great for me to be led by someone else because it will show me where I'm at with my ability to allow and receive versus need to be in the driving seat mm. and be the one who's doing the leading because I think we should be doing moving on to this now thanks very much <laughs> you know it's maybe not that quite that pronounced but so that really helps me because I am um, balancing my energy you know, balancing the being and doing is really where it's at for me. Mm. Um, so showing up to do in, in ways that really allows me to focus and concentrate very effectively. And the being time, that's why 50% of my work week has no schedule, like no meetings scheduled or anything. Because it's honestly about 50-50 being and doing. Mm. Um, so yeah, and, and time in nature is really important for me as mm. well. Mm. I love time that. To connect with the world around me. Yeah. There's there's a number of different things that I really resonate with, and and I think that the piece about connecting with nature is very important. You know, I, I mean, at, at the moment I'm in the middle of London, and and we're ve- very blessed where we are, where we're quite near um, a park. So I try to go there as much as I can, but there's nothing like being able to get your feet in the sea. So that's something I just miss with an absolute passion. And I know you're blessed to be able to have that very close <laughs> it's the to most you. incredible beach ever a few minutes from our house. Um, um, yeah, it saves well, my sanity on more than one occasion. <laughs> one day when things get that kind of challenging for me, I'll come up and hopefully it can save yeah. my sanity too, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I would love to have you. I'd love to lean into this piece about meditation because you described a number of different ways that you do it. And um, we're often told how good meditation is. Sometimes people struggle with beginning a meditative practice. And so if someone has just become aware of it or they're kind of a little bit um, frustrated with their current practice what advice would you give to people to reset or to begin some form of new meditation Mm. practice 
so I can share, a, um, I'll, it's kind of maybe got about three or four steps, a really simple process that I use, which is a, that resets your nervous system for mm. six hours. So it's a really, really, and it takes five minutes, between three and five minutes. So it's a really powerful practice um, for people to keep them out of overwhelm and just feeling better able to cope. And so you start, well, the, the most important thing about your breath, because you're using your breath, is that you have an even count in and an even count out. So count in for five and out for five. And you just spend a few minutes doing that because that that um, that regulation and, and the, the evenness of your breath tells your body that it's safe. If your breath mm-hmm. is even, it tells your body it's safe. So it's actually going to start to positively impact your biology which is really what we're looking for and once you've done that for a few minutes put one hand on your chest and one hand on your just under your navel and just notice how your chest and your navel are um, are expanding and contracting with your breaths in and out because what you really want to see is that both your chest and the area just under your navel are, are expanding with each in breath and then collapsing and contracting with each out breath and if you notice anything, maybe you might notice a tightness or just um, you can just allow yourself to kind of feel into that and just use your body to release it. So, again, you're just releasing anything um, anywhere that your nervous system might be feeling like it needs to contract or feel a bit tight or stressful. You're just really easing that out. Mm. So you would spend a, a minute or so doing that. And then the last stage is you um, incorporate a word. And it's a word that is a really... Um, positive feel good kind of high vibration word so it might be a word like love it might be a word like gratitude it might be a word like compassion it might be a word that really means something to you Uh, and of course if you wanted to uh, it could be a word like focus if you were wanting to do this right before you set yourself up for working on your thesis for example Mm -hmm. but I think the more it is a a kind of very very positive emotional words the better because what you want to do then is almost like flood your system with that positive emotion mm. because it's all nice and settled now and then that's almost going to fill your battery up like almost like fill your charge up positively that's the way that I visualize it in my mind okay. and so yeah so that's a three to five minute practice and um, if you were to do that twice a day say morning and evening for 30 days, what you're talking about is really fundamentally resetting your nervous system and helping to release a lot of the trauma, residual trauma that lives in your body. Um, and mm. so, yeah, that's a that's from a performance perspective, a really, really helpful thing to do. But for me, that it also has a spiritual dimension because it's about me just going within, connecting within. Um, and the most important thing really is that you feel the feelings of the word. You know, you feel gratitude, you feel love, you feel compassion. And sometimes it can be hard for us to connect with that. And so it's good practice as well to bring us into that state. Mm, I love that. And I also, um, just to kind of bring that out, I love the challenge that you set us all. We <laughs> do this for <laughs> five minutes, challenge. twice a day for 30 days and then to report back. And I hope people do that and kind of comment and and share somewhere on social media about the impact that that has had, because it sounds to me if it's going to be pretty profound. And, you know, we, we've spoken a couple of times 
today about the search that we go on looking for that moment where something just kind of happens and there's no going back. Mm. And I think through doing something like this, you could probably have several of those, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm. The thing is, you need to just always vote for yourself Mm -hmm. of all others. Yeah, absolutely. We find it hard to do that, particularly as women, I think we find it hard to do that especially for mums we find it hard to do that you know but it's that um it's it's just trusting that by connecting with for me it's about connecting with the divinity within you know connecting with um yeah just connecting with your essence Mm -hmm. and honoring that the ripple effect, the positive ripple effect that you have with your family, with your clients, you know, with the people that look to you for leadership or just the people you bump into in the street. Mm-hmm. That's where you really see the benefit of that commitment to yourself. Mm, for sure. We've spoken a lot about something that I, I describe as somatic work, which is kind mm-hmm. of like the work of the body. Yeah. Um, and, and I wonder if... Um, if you can just kind of help us to unpack a little bit more about how do you start to listen to the the kind of noise or the whispers or the sounds that your body's making. And the reason I ask this is because um, when I first read Bessel van der Kolk's book, The Body Knows the Score, it just completely transformed my approach to how I view body and body work and all of that. And um, I think we spend a lot of time, we spend the majority of our times, let's just say as it is, we spend the majority of our times in our head. We're mm-hmm. learning to go into our hearts, but so few of us listen to the the kind of the body or mm-hmm. soul and all of that. And I just kind of wonder, how, how do you do that? Well, I think the first thing that I, it feels really important to see is you have to make room for it in your lifestyle Mm. and um, what I mean by that is the modern particularly western lifestyle is all about numbing Mm. it's not about feeling it's about escaping Mm. it's and so for me you know I was filling this void with stuff a face cream a handbag wine nice meals out, takeaway food, whatever. I was filling it with stuff. And all of that stuff was numbing this yearning that I had. And because I wasn't listening to it, my soul made sure that I did. Because mm. <laughs> it always will. So sometimes it's about, sometimes you will be gifted a moment of crisis and that there you've no other choice but to, to find a different way. Um, but on an everyday moment, like on an everyday basis, start with five minutes, start with five minutes and start with the meditation that I shared. Mm. Because what you're going to be doing is you're going to start to get to know how your body feels. How does it feel? Where do you, where are you hanging on to tension? Where do you have um, a creaky bit (laughs) (laughs) or an ache or a pain? Um, And, you know, it can be pretty uncomfortable. It can be pretty uncomfortable because you're likely, um, you know, you're likely hiding or your lifestyle is likely hiding quite a lot of 
stories, you know, which will materialise as aches and pains or tension or whatever. So um, it really is just about creating the space, which is making a commitment, and it doesn't need to be more than five minutes a day, that you're going to check in with yourself. One of the things I really love to do with clients, um, if I feel that we need it at the start of a session, is, is just do a little bit of a body scan. So mindfulness practices are really wonderful for this stuff, which is, you know, closing your eyes, focusing on your breath, just noticing your breath coming in and out your nose, and then allowing your attention, using your attention, noticing it as an energy of its own. So if you wonder what I mean, if you close your eyes, close your eyes and put your attention on your ceiling. And now put your attention at the end of your big toe. You don't need your eyes for that, right? That's that. That's your. So you can you can command. How amazing is that? You can command your attention just like that anytime you want. That's good. A lot of it starts there, doesn't it? A lot of it starts there. And then just use your attention to just gently scan your body and just release any bits of tension. Again, just working your way through your body and all the way back up again and just noticing and, you know, rolling your shoulders back. I encourage my clients to sit so that they imagine an invisible thread coming out the top of their head that's like pulls their spine into alignment, that their feet are flat on the floor, you know, that they just really start to notice mm things like their body language that that they can influence how they feel mentally emotionally psychologically through the body and vice versa so if you can the thing about the I mean we could talk for so long about your attention and just the power that sits there right because when you are the master or the mistress of your own attention that's when things really start to become possible because mm-hmm. we splatter it all over the place we give it away willy-nilly mm-hmm. you know you pick up your phone you check messages you start to scroll your attention is immediately somebody else's and when I spoke earlier about letting your soul come out your fingers that is that's you allowing your attention to to travel through you in the way that something something pure will come out that isn't isn't um you know, nobody else has influenced it. And that's when really, really powerful things can start to happen through you. Because mm. there's nobody else here that can do you. You know that, right? Mm. And I mean, and I'm, when, I'm, when I'm saying this, I'm talking to you. You know, if you hadn't mastered your attention, Sadia, like we wouldn't have your book. We wouldn't have your light in the world, your wisdom in the world. We wouldn't have this podcast. So if people just dedicated themselves to that as like a little mini project, they would Mm. soon notice pretty magical things happening. Mm. It's so true. It really, really is. Because like, even as I'm writing my thesis, one of the things that I've realized is that people send me messages. And I mean, you know, even the kind of like demands of family and it's the little things I know there's still some stuff that I have to do right so don't get me wrong like because there's there's a couple of whispers that I've seen on social media it's like oh my god what's wrong with her like you know is she not going to stop studying and I'm like it's all right my husband's good my kids are good my responsibilities are good so I'm just going to put that out there but it's like just little things that I don't have to do now what I've had to really kind of lean in on 
is knowing that that stuff is a distraction. And so what you're describing about attention is also focus. And I know what my capacity is in terms of headspace. And so I'm not making decisions about things that are not important to me in this moment. So if you were to say to me, what are you doing tomorrow, Sayada? I'd be like, actually, I don't know because I don't need to know right now. I need to know by tomorrow morning, but today it's not important information. And that, I think, is the level of attention that really we want to try and work towards so that we're able, because you're describing it and saying about the, the attention to be able to make decisions and things, I would add to that and kind of echo very much everything you're saying and also say it's about the attention to being present and to being right now so that you can then listen to what's going on. Because if your soul whispers to you in a couple of hours time and you're not there, you missed it. Mm -hmm. And what you're describing is the fluidity within the structure. Mm. That is the magical combination, isn't it? Mm. It's that, that you have physical, practical room and space for that fluidity that when the inspiration hits, you have the three hours mm. to write all the stuff and you know how to direct your attention and your focus in such a way that gives you a very, very powerful, valuable output within that time. So, mm. but the structure is there for you to pour that into. And that that's that. And for me, that's a real good, um, it's very similar to the being and doing within myself as a human that I describe. Mm. Mm. is the the doing stuff like what are the tasks what are the activities what are the responsibilities and then how do I be me at maximum energy and presence and connectivity and love when I'm doing that stuff mm. and that's the bit that's missing in our society yeah. I think isn't it that's the bit that's massively missing yeah I agree wholeheartedly and I think just how you've described it is really useful for people and this idea of the oops, of the being and the doing I think is quite significant so I have a strong encouragement for people to to lean into that um I have several questions and about five minutes left <laughs> so, let's do a quick fire let's do a quick fire round okay. <laughs> all right quick fire um what advice would your 16 year old self give you if they saw you today That feels hard. I was a real tear away live wire when I was 16. She was a rebel without a clue. <laughs> what advice would she give me today? Trust your path. Trust your path. It's pretty good advice. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to your 21 year old self if you saw them today? Don't be so, don't be so, um, what's the word? Don't be so mean to yourself. Don't give yourself such a hard time. Mm -hmm. um, my 21-year-old self was really pretty fundamentally broken. And, um, yeah, so I think now it's, it's just a feeling of compassion, really. Mm -hmm. But in these questions, there's this bit of me 
that goes, but I wouldn't change a thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's the path that has led me to this place now. And I really deeply trust that life will always give you exactly what you need to self-actualize. If you choose to take the opportunity in that way, mm. life will always be giving you that. Yeah, it's interesting because I've I've never thought of these questions in that way, in that, like, you know, is there something to change? And and so you're you're kind of giving me some stuff to unpack. And I I yeah, I mean, I I suppose in my 30s, I used to think, you know, what are the things I would change and all of this other stuff. And and as I've matured and grown up and become more self-aware and done my work and therapy and things you kind of do really lean into that place, not just from words, but also from your entire being Mm. and acknowledge that the journey that you've had has taught you huge amount of lessons and everything has been um, there for a reason. And if some of it wasn't, it's like that stuff, I don't know, the matrix and all of these other things, take one thing out, everything changes and the whole thing can collapse. The butterfly effect, is it? Or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I think as well, in my experience, the worst of times are the greatest teachers. Amen. And that's why post-traumatic growth, the psychological mm-hmm. term, um, for well, for me, it was actually also about my burnout was my spiritual awakening. Mm. you know and that 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 and that needs to take something because life got a lot more challenging after (laughs) Mm. and that needs to take what I was being dealt with and transmute it into something positive that made a difference in the world Mm. I think that's available to all of us Mm. Definitely. And the world I, needs that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would love to have a conversation with you about my car accident. And I've never said this to anyone before. And do it from the lens of post-traumatic growth, because I know that's what I had. And I can say that now when I look back. And, and for me at the time, it was the biggest existential crisis that I was experiencing. But of course, it turned into the biggest gift, like you say. And maybe we do another one of these and just unpack some of that yeah. story and explore yeah. where the lessons were. I think that would yeah. be awesome. Wonderful. Yeah, to. absolutely. Yeah, because for me, it was um, what came next mm. and the story that I, I kicked off with. Mm. What came next? Because I thought I was off to the races and life had a whole different ball game um, waiting for me. So. Yeah, that sounds good. So let's definitely do <laughs> a part two. To be continued. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, quickly before we do that, so quick fire round continuing. What's your favourite book? Oh, no, I knew you were going to ask me this. It's very, very hard to say. I actually love Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials trilogy. Mm. Um, I love them. And um, I love the character, the main ca- uh, character, Lyra. She, I just love her. She just represents um, a lot of qualities that I admire. I love um, how it, the books kind of intertwine 
physics and theology and morality and um you know parallel universes and all this kind of stuff into fiction that's just really gripping with wonderful characters so um I love those books love them so uh, I would find it I would probably find it really hard to pick a non-fiction book just because similar to you I am just continually reading and soaking up other people's <laughs> insight and wisdom um I also love the book Shantaram have you read Shantaram no so I can't remember the name of the author but it's um it's about a a man who finds himself he just he just kind of goes on this real journey and it's written as a kind of as an autobiography but it is a fictional book um Gregory David Roberts Yes, Gregory David Roberts. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Um, it, th- there was something about that book that just spoke to something in me. Um, that the the character's kind of journey and self actualization and and it's it's a really interesting book. You know, he finds himself mm-hmm. in, in Afghanistan, um, kind of fighting in tribal wars and things like that. Uh, and yeah, he just ends up in all these places and it's based in India and I spent time in India. I worked mm-hmm. in India when I was younger, so there's big chunks of it in India and there's something about India that really calls to me. Um, so yeah, I love that book as well. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to, of course, nonfiction, I would need to say yours, right? <laughs> <laughs> Results, the art and science of getting it done. <laughs> I will take that. I, 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 thank you and what are you reading or listening and watching right now I have got the biggest pile of books on trauma that I'm either revisiting again um the body keeps the score is at the top Mm. of the pile so I'm doing a lot of reading on that right now and um the other reading that I'm doing, I'm just thinking about, I'm trying to remember the name of the book. Um, I'm like you, I'm just constantly gobbling up. I do a lot of, um, I do two kids' stories a night. <laughs> What's <laughs> your Without fail. Oh, last night we read a book that was pretty terrible called um, When Your Dinosaur Poos in Your Room or something like that. <laughs> like where did this come from um I just love reading with Maxie he loves reading he it's just one of these routines that we've had right from the get-go he always has two books every night before bed and um, yeah my favorite book from when I used to read to the kids there was two there was one called Our Spider where you you kind of like um, put your hand in and the, the spider would create some sort of thing <laughs> hilarious and the other one of course was the gruffalo by julia donaldson oh like, i have to say right okay i have to say the glasgow gruffalo now say that have you read the glasgow gruffalo? <laughs> when it's done in the glaswegian accent oh my god it's hilarious so absolutely my, hilarious so you've got son, that downstairs yeah my, my kids actually can do a really good thick glaswegian accent because it's in their heritage, right? It's not exactly. in mine. Yeah. It's and see when they when they read that book or when they did when they were younger, honestly, you, you couldn't go to sleep because you're in stitches. Yeah, you're laughing so much. So we love the Gruffalo, the Gruffalo's Child. We love all of them actually. Um yeah, we love those books, definitely. 
Excellent. And then lastly, what advice do you have for me? Uh, uh, keep shining your light because the world needs you. It really needs you. And um, and I wouldn't uh, give you any advice other than keep doing what you're doing and keep 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 amplifying it, you know? Keep being bold. Um, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. That's the only advice I have for you. We need your light. And I'm so, so glad that I get to bask in it today. Hey, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and where can people bask in your light and find out more about you, Mel? They can find me at melmcintyre.com is my website. Um, I'm on all the usual socials and I've got a Facebook group a community called Wildly Authentic Women. It's interesting. I've had quite a lot of men reaching out to me recently saying, is it a deal breaker that I'm a guy? Uh, because I do predominantly, my mission is about helping women's leadership in the world, but I absolutely do work with men. So men, you're welcome too. In case any of you go and check me out and are wondering, I do work with male clients. Um, and if it resonates and what I say feels resonant to you, then absolutely, yeah, come and say hi. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much Mel I hope that everyone is going to reach out to you and certainly go to your website and take a look at what you offer because I think it's a huge huge gift to the world I can't wait to, to listen to this again myself mm. when it comes out and also I can't wait to have the other conversation I know. Going to, because I think now like I'm proper fired up about it I just think there's um there's going to be some really interesting stuff. Yes, that I love that there. idea. I love that idea of just having that theme of post-traumatic growth. It's a good mm. one, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of my favourites. It really is. So I look forward to that. Mel, thank you so much. It's been a real, real gift. And every single connection that I have with you always makes me love you even more. So I'm Same. happy to have spoken <laughs> to you today. Same. <laughs> Thanks, Aida. If you enjoyed this episode of With Sayada, I'd appreciate it if you could rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people find out about the podcast and the work of the Centre for Belonging and Understanding.